Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, there are three market segment pillars of solar in the U.S. There's residential, utility, and commercial. Now, residential has been growing steadily, heck, you know, way before even I started getting into the business in 2001. And one of the reasons is the economics are really good is homeowners pay the highest electric rates. You know, in each individual customer's got you know, relatively small consumption compared to a commercial building, and they pay high rates. The lowest rate right now is around 30 cents a kilowatt hour, and these rates go over 50 cents. There's also easy installations for residential, not too complicated, and easy financing. So the industry on the residential side has been growing steadily. I did some really rough math, and this year in the U.S., we expect to install 5 to 6 million solar panels on residential rooftops. That's pretty good. But the biggest segment by far is the utility segment. And these are utilities putting in solar panels instead of natural gas plants and certainly instead of coal you know, and nuclear. So they're completely offsetting the investments that, that utilities used to make in new power plants. And actually what's happening right now is the economics for solar combined with battery storage are so favorable that three or four years from now, when new power plants go in, the utilities are realizing that it's cheaper to put in a solar panel system, a solar array, utility-scale solar, with battery backup than it is to put in a natural gas combined turbine, which has historically been the, the cheapest, um, most efficient. So that's amazing. The prices of storage and solar are going to continue to go down. But the utility segment's huge. Rough estimate, about 20 million solar panels are going to be installed by utilities all over the country this year. And one of the reasons why this is such a fast-growing market is the utilities get paid by ratepayers to put in more solar panels. It's very interesting. The more solar panels they put in, the more money the utilities make because the more assets they have. So they really like doing this. It's kind of a, a, a change from, from recently. Now, the dilemma is the utilities want to put in the panels. They don't want you in your business or home to put in solar panels. But that's another issue. We're working through that. Now, this, the third segment, which historically has been steady but not as growing as fast, has been the commercial segment. Big money-saving potential for businesses who are paying, you know, maybe 15, 20 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity, and they have big flat roofs, big energy consumption, but it's limited because, first of all, a lot of buildings are leased. So the landlord doesn't want to invest in solar because they're not going to be paying the electric bill. But if it's an owner-occupied building, then the landlords are much more interested. And also, for tenants who are going to be staying in the building a long time, let's say they say they're going to um, pay a, they're going to um, sign a 10-year lease, they're happy to put in solar if they're going to get a six or seven-year payback. But that's the market segment that we're going to be talking about now. That ballpark, maybe three or four million solar panels went in on commercial buildings this year. And it's going to continue to grow. And I'm very enthusiastic about that market because there's just so much potential there. You know, the reason why is, I was just traveling this weekend again, you just fly over any city and you just see acres and acres of big, white, flat roofs all over the country. And these all should have solar panels on them and they all can fit solar panels. So the biggest market, and you know, we're kind of looking at California because California is the biggest market in the U.S. and it's kind of the template for what's going to happen throughout the rest of the country. You kind of look at the sizes of buildings that are putting in solar panels and you look at the size of the systems. They're not these enormous megawatt systems. And there's one really good reason for that is that the roofs aren't that big. But most of the systems are less than 500 kilowatts. That's less than 1,500 solar panels. It's less than 30,000 square feet. Now, when you're looking at who's putting in solar systems, what's interesting, if they're national companies or international companies, national retailers like Costco, Staples, Best Buy, Whole Foods, Safeway, 
There are tech companies like Microsoft, Apple, Google. There's companies that are putting in these systems for data centers all over. Um, and the reason is, once these national or international chain companies with multiple buildings all over the country put in a few, they say, hey, this is really working out pretty well. Let's put it on more buildings. I remember going back 10 years. That's when these companies were trying out their first systems, and it's working out great. So they're saying... We want them on all the rooftops. Now what's happening is it's kind of trickling down to medium and smaller companies that don't have a lot of, uh, don't, own, don't own a lot of buildings. But they own one. They own two. And they say, hey, let's, let's just do this on our facilities to save us money. And it's working out really well. I mean, heck, like a dozen years ago, we put in a system for a concrete company in San Jose. At the time, it was the biggest system, a 600-kilowatt system. And the, that customer loves it. He's looking at putting it on another building down the road. So that's where the market is. It's the biggest untapped market. They're, they're buildings with less than 50,000 square feet of roof space. Now, there's other criteria. The buildings can't be too high. So typically, three stories are less. You have to have clear roof space. So sometimes there's a factory that has lots of equipment. The roofs are clogged with HVAC and vents and, and chimneys and things like that. doesn't work too well there. So most of them are for warehouses, retail, light manufacturing, low-rise office buildings, and ideally for owner-occupied or buildings that they have a long-term lease. So there's some big changes in commercial solar, and that's what we're going to be talking about. But most of the changes all just make the economics better. And that's why this market's going to continue to grow. I mean, just some examples. The equipment's less expensive, the installations are going in faster, and the incentives, not necessarily the rebates, but the tax credits, the tax benefits are getting better, and the electric prices keep going up. So that's why customers are doing it. So let's just kind of bang through some of the technology reasons why this market's taking off. All right, and let's just kind of talk about... How do you attach the systems to the roof? Now, commercial customers, like residential customers, really want to make sure that they're not going to get any leaks in the roof. And there's some improvements in technology over the past dozen years that have made those leaks almost, you know, they almost never happen. So two kinds of systems, ballasted systems where there's not a lot of roof penetrations or no penetrations, and then penetrating roof systems where you're actually attaching the system into the underlying structural members of the roof. Now, I kind of like the penetrating systems. One of the reasons is they can't possibly Possibly blow off. And the other reason is we do most of our business in California. California has earthquake regulations that require us to penetrate the roof anyway. So if we're going to do a commercial system, we got to poke 100 holes in the roof. We might as well poke 300 holes in the roof. And don't worry about all the complicated ballast. And I also think that over a long time frame, some of these ballast systems may have a tendency to abrade the roof. But good news is both of the systems are really good. And I like that there's new technology for penetrating membrane roofs. And I'm seeing more and more membrane roofs. 15 years ago, most commercial rooftops were composition, were built-up roofing, tar and gravel. Those are generally getting replaced with membrane roofs, where there's a, a PVC or a polymer membrane. It's a plastic sheet, and it lasts forever. Now there's really good ways of kind of attaching into those that are, aren't creating leaks. Now, also on these commercial roofs, the tilt angles are lower, slightly less efficient, but you can get a higher coverage ratio. You can put more panels on the roof, and you can get more power out of it, and that actually improves the economics. One big negative when we're talking about mounting systems, there's tariffs on aluminum and steel. Now, there's tariffs on imported aluminum steel, but 30%, I think, whatever. But immediately, all the domestic manufacturers of aluminum steel raise their prices. So the racking is more expensive on flat roofs now than it was 
a year ago. Okay, let's talk about inverters. There's another big place where, where technology has improved. It used to be on these commercial systems, we'd put in one big 200 or 100 kilowatt uh, inverter, you know, maybe two, 300 kilowatt inverters. And these things were huge. They had to be delivered on a truck. They had to get installed on a poured concrete pad. We had to find space around the building to put them in. And if there was ever a problem, you know, these things aren't going to last forever, the system would be out. You, you lose 100 kilowatts of power for, for weeks while they're getting replaced. Now the technology has moved towards multiple smaller inverters, multiple string inverters. They're easier to maintain. And if one goes out, you know, hey, if you have 10 inverters and one goes out, we can get that thing repaired or replaced in a week instead of a month. Um, the other advantage is we convert to AC power on the roof instead of using combiner boxes. So we used to have to run lots of long DC wires. Now we can go directly to AC power on the roof. And that's safer and less expensive to manage. So inverters overall are less expensive now. There's more options. There's new manufacturers. And there's also, I think, better monitoring, which we'll talk about in a minute. Now, finally, solar panels. That's what you always think about. The solar coaster is in full swing. There's anti-dumping duties. There's tariffs on panels. It's a mess. The reality is the pricing is still kind of, it went up in 2018, but I think it's starting to trend down again. Now, the difference between commercial and residential is commercial systems generally use 72-cell panels instead of 60-cell panels. These things are you know, over six feet high. And it takes two people to move them around. But they're cheaper on a per watt basis. And when you're installing them on a flat roof, two guys or, you know, two people can easily move them around. So that that's also an additional savings. But the trend I see going forward over the next few years is unless there's some really bizarre thing happening with tariffs, panel pricing is going to continue to come down. And one of the interesting things is even though there's a tariff on imported solar panels, there's overcapacity of panels in China. These manufacturers aren't cutting back on their manufacturing. So panel prices on a worldwide basis are declining because the manufacturers are accepting smaller profits to keep their factories running. So that's kind of all really good. All right. Now we talked about solar panels. That's what everybody's been thinking about on commercial. We talked about inverters. We talked about mounting systems. Now we're going to talk about some of the more subtle things that have an impact on the economics. Monitoring. Now, commercial customers, as do residential customers, want to monitor the system and see how well it's performing. Now, one of the things with commercial is a lot of times these financing deals pay you based on the energy output. So monitoring becomes even more important than ever. Now, I've been doing monitoring on solar systems since 2001, and it's a real headache. The good news is that some of the cellular monitoring systems that are out right now, these are cellular chips that go right inside the inverter or are attached very easily to the existing inverters, work really well. They're reliable, they're easier to configure, and they're provided and supported by the inverter manufacturer. So you don't have a third party to go shake down and try and figure out what's going on with the monitoring. And what a thing I like best about cellular is, God, you think about how many times your Wi-Fi monitoring goes down, or your Wi-Fi in your house goes down, or you're having a problem with your router to which your Ethernet's connected. I mean, heck, it happens to me at home and in the office almost every week. These things are just not reliable, but... My cell phone, you know, for however much I'm not a big fan of my cell phone company, the cell phone cellular communication network is pretty darn good. So when we're talking about monitoring, we like to use cellular monitoring because it just works a little bit more expensive at the beginning, but you get much more reliable service. Okay, so that's monitoring. Let's talk a little bit about electric rates. Now, the trend on electric rates 
is the trend is almost always up. Now, it doesn't go up smoothly. Sometimes it goes down a little bit, but the trend is always up. And the reason why this trend is always up is that you know, I kind of look around the country and see why are electric rates higher in some places than others. Like California is really high. New York City is really high. Hawaii is really high. There's a really good correlation with the cost of living and electric rates. So you go to some places where electricity is really cheap, cost of living is lower. You know, the reason is you know, utilities, it's a labor-intensive business. Not only do you have lots of well-paid executives and lobbyists and lawyers there kind of trying to maximize the rates, but there's an army at every utility of people that are maintaining the wires. These are hardworking men and women who are the utility workers, and they got to live locally. You, know, you, can't ha- you can't outsource this to somewhere in the Midwest where it's really cheap when you're doing you know, work in, in Hawaii. So the electric rates reflect these local high costs. Now, the trend on electricity is going to continue to go up. That means if you put solar on your commercial building, you're going to be saving more and more in the future. Now, there's also kind of an interesting thing that's happening with tax reform. 2018 Tax Reform Act, it's going to have a positive impact on a company's ability to depreciate system. The tax rate went down, but now you're able to depreciate 100% of the system after the tax rate in the first year. So that's a big advantage. A slight negative, which I don't think is really going to be a negative, is, by the way, utilities also pay taxes. And utilities pay much lower taxes now because of tax reform. So theoretically, utilities will lower rates, but that's never really sunk in. Utilities are probably not going to just raise rates as quickly as they could have otherwise. And the utilities are going to be pushed back by public utilities commissions who don't want the utilities to kind of keep that tax money. But nevertheless, without a doubt, on the average, electric rates are going to continue to go up. So if you have your own independent source of power that's generating power, right? You know, we're talking about five cents a kilowatt hour electricity. You're going to come out way ahead. All right. Now, energy storage. You're hearing a lot about that. That's going to be the next big wave. And there's no doubt in my mind that every residential and commercial solar power system is eventually going to have energy storage. We're seeing an attachment rate on our residential customers right now of about 30%. 30% of the people who are signing up to buy a system also put a battery storage system in. Why? Because they can save their daytime solar power and use that energy in the evening when rates are highest. The other reason is emergency backup power. And there's more and more blackouts. I mean, people talk to me, oh, my power is so reliable. And then I get a call from them in six months. Ah, you were right. Power went out for 12 hours because somebody overloaded a transformer. That's happening everywhere around the country. Now, but the difference for commercial customers is there's another rate charge in there that, that many medium and large commercial customers pay called a demand charge. The utilities pay, utilities charge commercial customers something in the neighborhood of $5 to maybe $20 per peak kilowatt that they used. So let's say you've got a medium-sized company, and when you turn your air conditioning on and you turn a bunch of machinery on, maybe once a month everything's running on a hot day, you may have a peak demand of 100 kilowatts. And at $15 a peak kilowatt, that's an extra $1,500 a month. Now, many companies have thousands of peak kilowatts, so they look at their bill and they say, gee, half of my bill is for these demand charges, and this peak demand is only like 15 minutes a month. So that's a very common use of storage batteries. You put in a big battery, and when you get near that peak, you say, instead of drawing power from the utility, there's a controller that says, hey, I'm going to go suck power out of my battery. So instead of hitting 100 peak kilowatts, I might only be hitting 50 peak kilowatts, and you're saving $750. You multiply it times 10 for a bigger system, and it's it's a lot of money. Now, also, a lot of commercial customers, and this is kind of the trend where 
they're going on time of use rates. That's happening at our commercial building at Cinnamon Energy Systems. There's higher electric costs during the day than in the evening. You can't avoid these high daytime costs. It's usually also happening only during the week. So Monday through Friday, I don't know what the, the exact times are now, but it's probably from like 9 o'clock in the morning to 5 p.m. Our electric rates are higher than they are in the evening on the weekends. So when you have solar, guess what? Solar is producing a lot of power during those peak times, and you're able to reduce that peak electricity usage more. Like, who cares about cheap electricity at night because um, you're not generating power? That's kind of a nice benefit right now going on with commercial, although that's going to gradually change as peak rates track the cost of electricity, in which case battery is going to make more sense for a commercial customer. And then the third reason why commercial customers are putting in backup power, commercial customers call it resiliency. They want to make sure that their key operations can keep running if there's a power outage. This power outage can be because there's a transformer that blows up, and you know I see this happen all the time. It could be because there might be a disaster or earthquake or something like that, or just you know something else flaky with the electrical system. But you think about any retail company. Yeah, let's say you're running a, a retail store or even a gas station. Power goes out, you still may have employees there, you may still have emergency lights, but your credit card machine's not working. Dead on arrival. Your gas pumping systems aren't working because you have no electricity. The lights in your store go to emergency mode and not you know shopping mode, and people are going to leave. So a lot of companies are thinking about putting in backup power for resiliency, for their computers, for their lights, for their credit card machines, for their elevators. And that's a really, really good application. Okay, let's talk about the incentives and the tax credits. Obviously, they vary by states, but the biggest one is the investment tax credit. And that investment tax credit is 30% through the end of 2019. Now, that's very close. I mean, we're in the middle of 2018. 2019 is coming around the corner. If that solar system on your commercial building isn't completed by the end of 2019, you may not get that full 30% tax credit. So there's some incentive there. Now, financing. Another change on the commercial side Commercial solar is becoming a very financeable thing. There's a lot of data. There's good track records of companies that are basically putting in these systems, benefiting from lower operating costs, improving their profits, and it's a good investment vehicle. So not only do some companies pay with cash or borrow a bank loan, but there's third-party financing options like PACE, like leases and like PPAs, and those are, you know, that's the way a lot of systems are paid. And, and we're seeing that happen. You know, we're doing some nonprofits right now, and they're paying off with a kind of a, a lease that's optimized for a nonprofit. And the economics are pretty favorable. Even though they have the cash, their economics are better if they lease it because the leasing entity can get the tax benefits. Whereas if this nonprofit were to put in the system, you know, there's no tax benefits. All right. Now let's put it all together. Let's say that you have a $50,000 annual electric bill. Let's say you put 500 solar panels on your flat rooftop. Let's say the whole system ends up costing top line $340,000. That's $210 a watt. And you're going to save about $45,000 on your electric bill. So your bill's going to go from 50 grand to $5,000. Now, you, after the investment tax credit, which is going to be $102,000 and a $61,000 depreciation tax benefit, your net cost on that system is going to be $177,000. That works out to a simple payback of 3.9 years. Assuming that you have about $1,000 a year of maintenance, cleaning, you know, repairing an inverter after the warranty goes out in 10 or 12 years, and assuming there's no electric rate escalations, and I know the rates are going to go up, that works out to be a 
5% return on investment. That's pretty fantastic. Your electricity costs for 25 years are locked in at 3.2 cents a kilowatt hour compared to probably paying more like 20 cents. And those numbers are going to keep going up. So here's my advice. Next steps for commercial customers. It's not every commercial building. Criteria that are important are, is it an owner-occupied building or the owner's paying most of the utility bill? They don't have to occupy the whole thing. Flat roofs or sloped roofs in good condition, or if you're re-roofing, think about putting solar in because you may be able to get a tax credit on some of that work. Metal roof buildings are also good. Sometimes you'll need a structural analysis. You want to have a large open area for solar panels. If you have lots and lots of HVAC systems all around, you can still probably do it. It's going to raise the price. And you may want to consider batteries to improve your resiliency of your operation. And what you do is contact an established local installer that knows what they're doing, that's been around in business, that you can count on, that has a good reputation. They'll do a preliminary analysis. They'll give you a ballpark return on investment. This is roughly what it's going to cost. This is roughly what it's going to save. And then you kind of go into a more detailed analytical phase, figuring out what the interconnection approval is needed, what kind of structural analysis is needed. You know, as far as the technology, Piece of advice, don't worry about the type of solar panels. Don't worry about the inverters. Don't worry about the mounting systems. Find an installer that knows what they're doing. The key issues are, does it make economic sense for your business? Can you get good interconnection from your utility? Because sometimes utilities make it difficult. And is your roof structurally sound? And is your roofer kind of happy with the system, which is something that installers also work with? All right. That's all the time we have for this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast.